Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. A couple months ago, we did our autumn recommendations and it was very popular. People seem to enjoy it. So yeah. we're back. We're going to do it Q4, again. baby. Q4. Winter X. <laughs> we were really, really touched the last time by how kind and forthcoming everyone was about it. So uh, we're going to do something similar in that... Um, Last time we talked around Halloween and not about Halloween. And in the same way, though it's slightly more challenging because the second you get into November, it's like jingle all the way until January. Um, mm-hmm. So summoning things that have a kind of a, a soft winteriness that aren't intrinsically connected to Christmas. It, it's, it's tricky, but there are really important cultural touchstones that are very personal I think to both me and Alan that are deeply associated with this time of year that aren't doused in tinsel Alan is a Christmas person and I'm not which is um a good point uh, to start off with as well so yeah because uh, I can need to stave off Christmas for as long as possible before I like truly a throw myself into it so I you're waiting some... you're just waiting to get the stuff on stevens you're just like oh the days are coming <laughs> yeah are coming. i've set up like specific like november traditions for myself so that i don't dive straight into stuff on stevens november um, Allen. yeah yeah november Allen. yeah exactly <laughs> um so, so will i start with november with like some november Allen music then yes uh because like on the last patreon episode me and andrea talked about stuff stevens and his Christmas albums and that's basically my december but November for me is where I do a big Mount Erie re-listen. Mm. Um, so Mount Erie is a project by a guy called Phil Elverum. Um, and he has just, he's created this like self-contained world based around the Pacific Northwest and around the, the mountain Mount Erie and a place in, called Anacortes in Washington. Um, and his music I'm like I've, I'm very influenced by album covers, obviously. Um, so they that can that can just make some wintry in, instantly in my mind. But he has one album called Dawn, um, which he went through a breakup in about two thousand three and moved to Norway for the winter, wow. and but to live by himself and recorded this album just purely him and acoustic guitar. Um, and it's re- it's really simple melodies and it's really sparse and. I just find myself, I would listen to it over and over again. Um, I can just like set up, like press play on Mount Erie on iTunes and listen to it all day. Uh, but this is, that's kind of a centerpiece of early Mount Erie. And he does this thing where he will revisit songs over and over again on different albums with different collaborators and find new ways in and out of them and mm. kind of revisit, like do like sequels to songs, which is something nobody really does. That's very interesting. Whereas like, he'll do like, like uh, in his previous project, there was um a song called The Glow in one album and then the next album was called The Glow Part 2 and on that song there was a song called Moon and then on Dawn there's Moon Part 2 or Moon Sequel. Did, you, did Rufus Wainwright kind of do that with Want? Want 1 and really? Want 2. Yeah, I think, I don't know if the songs were individually sequels but the albums were sort of two parts of a, a mm. whole I think, you know. I think that's really like, yeah. it's lovely to continue on those stories into a second movement. Mm. It really is and um he his thing really is that he's an incredible producer he makes everything sound like the most of itself so the acoustic guitars just sound perfect the drums sound like the the drummiest drums (laughs) 
any like electric guitars or weird sounds just all he's just he's very interested in sound primarily and then as a songwriter like comes into it later and then the two meld as he goes on um so there's those early kind of sparse albums that are just it's very like naive kind of voice he always sounds like he's like finding his way through a song which i really love like he's like he's always singing them for the first time that's cool love yeah and like there's nothing virtuosic in the guitar playing it's always it's always there and it's always good and it always it's always really distinctive as well even though it's just him and an acoustic guitar and it's all very sparse you know instantly which not like where you are in these albums and then later he gets really into black metal and then starts working that in <laughs> so he has um this pair of eps called black wooden and black wooden Sealy opening and one is like an acoustic black metal album and then the other one is like the heavy heavy version of it wow. and they complement each other so well um and I, yeah i just disappear into this this man's work for like a month every year um Particularly, there's this 11-minute song called um, Pale Lights from the 2012 album Motion Roar, which is, I've mentioned this before, I think. I love songs with incredibly long intros. Yeah, you and have. And this song is like, it's like six and a half minutes long before he sings. And it's just like the same, like one chord for like maybe 10, 11 seconds, and then a second chord for two seconds, then back to the first chord just over and over again for six minutes pure vibes vibes all the way down organ yeah it's incredible and it does feel like um so i've I've perfectly gone out to like tremor at night to listen to it there to watch the sea coming in that is wistful as fuck sir that is is that is extreme november behavior (laughs) yeah i've sat on the cliffs in dumber east and what and done it there and it's like chill yeah it works. It just it it absolutely works um i think that's what they mean when they talk about music being decoration for time you know it's something that you that corresponds to activity i feel like an alien discussing something that doesn't do you know whenever i talk about music i'm like (laughs) yes i understand this but i i do get that i haven't done that since i was a teenager sitting in a car and and listening to music purely for the purpose of sitting in a car and listening to music and Mm -hmm. there's something very meditative and gorgeous about that where you sort of step out of your life and into a vignette in order to engage with a piece of audio art specifically like mm. that's very powerful it's a bit like going to a the opposite whatever it, not the opposite but both the opposite and the same thing as going to a gig you know you go yeah. somewhere quiet and peaceful that corresponds with the music to bear witness to the music mm-hmm. i think winter is especially good for that i feel like mm summery music is is like inherently more communal and more like, yeah social and com- yeah, yeah. Communal. yeah 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 right. yeah or was it like anytime where i felt like a song is like actually soundtracking me walking down the street it's always been like winter and it's been like bjork or like dark blur songs or mount eerie you know um yeah i just think he's just it's just an incredible body of work and it's so overwhelming to try to find an entrance point so you just kind of have to take it all in at once you know, just kind of just, just press play and in. go. Yeah. I'm just going to chronologically through all of this for November. Um, but if anybody is interested, I would recommend starting with Dawn because uh, it's just acoustic, whereas the later heavy metal albums are a lot. And then uh, obviously Elephant in the Room, his wife died a few years ago and then he wrote an album like in the months after that. And it is like the bleakest thing you will ever listen to. It's just the rawest 
of raw music. Mm. Uh, it's called The Crow Looked at Me. Um, and it won a load of awards and stuff. But it is incredibly heavy going. And there's kind of a... There's the early acoustic stuff and then the black metal phase. And then there's this post his wife dying phase where he's bleak and then rediscovering how not to be so sad. Mm. Um, but yeah, I love it. I have to, I, if, I feel like, you know, you sometimes it feels like you get like one singer songwriter that's kind of yours. Yeah. And nothing quite, nothing quite fits the and way not, that one does. Yeah. It, fit, yeah. It, it is. It's like a fit. It, it sort of wraps, mm. they, they wrap around your life kind of appropriately. And there is this, mm-hmm. an almost an intimacy to it. Yeah. And you don't, I think you can go through phases. Like, oh yeah. But you have your, yeah. person or your, yeah. your very small cohort of people and it's sometimes mm. like that's why I don't talk about the music I listen to I'm just like that's not for I'm not able to articulate why it means something to me mm. you know and especially I hate having to give caveats about the things I like because I always do you know being like oh mm-hmm. this is really sad or oh this is really weird you know um, mm-hmm. it's lovely to have something that just belongs to you and belongs to a particular time of year you know yeah, so that was my first one. What's your first one? Uh, I'm going to do a uh, shift into uh, the culinary world because mm-hmm. winter cooking is my preferred seasonal cooking. Um, I am a salad girl, capital S, capital G, like many other um, people are. But I'm also a put a bunch of shit in a pot and put it in the oven and it comes out like a miracle kind of person. Mm-hmm. So my two, I have a, I have two warm things that I would recommend people make this winter. Both of, neither of which are Christmassy, both of which are wintry. Um, I was just, uh, I'm not going to be able to get to say this very often. So I'm going to just like enjoy the fact that I can say that I was recently in Switzerland (laughs) not on a pleasure trip um for work but I did get a couple of days at the end of my really cool teaching experience over there um teaching creative practice to English teachers um we went to a place called Basel which is um on the borders of Germany, France and Switzerland, which is complicated and interesting. And 40 minutes outside of there, it was a tiny town called Colmar, which is the place that um, Hell's Moving Castle and Beauty and the Beast were mm. visually uh, based on in the sort of Alsace region of France. Absolutely stunning, stunning place. We were there at night the first evening and then on a grey day and it was still beautiful the next day. And uh, we stumbled upon a bunch of Christmas markets, um, which were, to be fair, astounding. But more important than that was that punctuating the sort of winding streets full of market stalls, selling genuinely beautiful things, um, were uh, Glüschwein or Muldwein or Grog stands. Grog is a sort of a rum-based citrus hot drink. Um, and for I think it was five euro you could get a cool little plastic Colmar cup full of uh, whichever hot boozy beverage you fancied Um, and you could hand it back in and get your deposit back or you could just keep filling it up and then keep it so we have a stack of them upstairs as a delightful souvenirs Um, so I I think a lot about mulled wine Um, it's something that I feel if it felt very adult to me the first time I 
drank it and it's also delicious but i've got mm-hmm. loads of really deeply fond associations with it and the most recent was this i remember seeing seeing this stand selling and being like yes you it's exactly <laughs> what i want right now you know it's sort of mm-hmm. a a gilded edge on any winter's day is being able to drink mulled wine um yeah and obviously for those of you who are non-alcohol drinkers there's gorgeous ways to do it that are non-boozy um to just leave out uh there's lovely non-alcoholic wines um and they're to be honest mark and spencer's do a really solid pre-bottled mold red beverage situation which you can incorporate mm-hmm. um extra spices into which i have done in the past uh honestly the way that i i have also in the past obviously cooked off all the alcohol because i'm not very clever but the way that i prefer to do it is in a slow cooker um and to leave it kind of steep, I guess, for mm. as long as possible. Yeah. The ingredients that I use are, um, I sometimes will buy the little tea bags out of the supermarket as kind of a flavoured mm. base on a sort of a, a shanty or a Merlot um, for your wine. Uh, I will then chop up an orange. Um, some people use orange juice in it, but I think that's a little bit, too far down sangria town and you can yeah, end up yeah. with a sort of a micro sangria situation if you're not careful but mm-hmm. if you like that like work i am delighted for you um so i'll start off with a couple of the tea bags <laughs> the mulled wine tea bags not above them just to get us a little bit of a base of flavor um i always keep a folded little drawer of cheesecloth not like in a cute Nigella Lawson way in a like here's where the batteries cookbooks etc live and then there's a little Ziploc mm-hmm. bag full of aged cheesecloths you know there's no glamour in this they're very practical mm-hmm. and I'll tie them up make us and make a sort of a more a more dense uh, tea bag um situation uh with cinnamon sticks of cinnamon um star anise you gotta be fucking really careful with star anise because it's loud it is the mm. loudest spice in the drawer. It is... Maybe I'm just sensitive to it. Uh, I have to, don't no, I mean, it. there's a reason you put, like, one in there. One. And that's it. Like, yeah. one. Don't mm-hmm. overdo it. Um, cinnamon sticks I can go for more of always. Uh, a star or a star and a half of star anise. Cloves. Bold little cloves. Um, and... Uh, I'd, you know, I'd grate in a bit of nutmeg but you have to be very careful with nutmeg because nutmeg can make it kind of sick so go mm-hmm. hesitantly with the nutmeg also I wouldn't put in like a whole little fella of nutmeg at all I'd grate in a little bit into the tea bag mm-hmm. um, yeah slice up an orange maybe slice up a lemon or put in a little bit of lemon rind if you want to become more citrusy um, I have been prone to a bit of brown sugar in it as well it really depends i what's nice about mulled wine is it's all what's in your press it's all those lovely earthy spices and earthy mm. uh aromatics that you can pull out of the press um and everyone's taste is different some people like it more sweet some people like it more savory but the smell that it brings into your home oh my god is incredible and you can just leave it there you can just leave it in the slow cooker filling the house with incredible smells and then continually go back and flip your cup the nice thing mm-hmm. about using the slow cooker is you won't accidentally boil it um if you want yeah. to keep the booze in it which i generally do the other thing that i which is currently in my oven as we speak and i'll go quicker on this one because i could talk about it forever because it is my favorite <laughs> winter food and i really only cook it when the weather is cold because it's very um hearty is uh nigella lawson's um 
chicken and orzo it's in a pot i i use it my parents very kindly got me a lovely la cruzée de chauvin a couple of years ago which we call the ss marinara because it's like a ship um and i haven't haven't space to put it anywhere in the kitchen so it just lives on the stove you know sort of mm-hmm. the centerpiece and um zest two lemons um and toast the not toast but you know cook them a little in some nice olive oil in the bottom of the pan and let the aromatics out and a little bit of garlic and then you pop in your chicken and crisp up the chicken breast and chicken skin and take it out again and put in some leeks and some carrots cut into discs then pop the chicken on top fill the chicken up to the wings with water pop it in the oven for an hour and a half and then the last 20 minutes lash in a bag of orzo and the orzo cooks oh and I have a bundle of thyme which I asked Kerry to go onto the roof and uh, grab out of the one herb pot which has survived um, up here really nice bundle of thyme I don't cut off the leaves I kind of I, I wrap it into a sort of a smudge shape like um, a little bundle I pop that in as well and the resulting hot pot which takes about an hour and a half an hour and, three, uh, an hour and 45 minutes to make will last you maybe two two dinners and a lunch over a couple of days and it's so from the chicken fat and the chicken skin uh the word that Nigella Lawson uses is sort of schmaltzy it's very like um almost like buttery and rich but the citrus cuts through it really nicely because you use lemon juice Mm. in the broth um oh it's one of my favorite things so those are my two hearty warm non-Christmas food I, I do actually like Christmas food if I don't like Christmas my two wintry yeah. kitcheny offerings uh, yeah what have you got next I was asso- always going to say I always oh. associate like, mulled wine with working in, in the boutique supermarket where I worked from like oh, 16 to 21 such a boutique supermarket job isn't it yeah so yeah. The, like a weekend before Christmas they would like set up like a cauldron of mulled wine oh, on the way in gosh. and obviously all us teenagers got a bit of it but like mm-hmm. the, anyway, the whole re- like place smelled amazing we were all like working away um serving customers but also with our little glasses of mulled wine and i said was this nice you know Human, it's nice when it? you get to do something a little bit weird yeah a little bit something special a little bit different yeah like i think and it doesn't work in the summer no one wants hot wine in the summer you know it's yeah. very it, it belongs to this period of the year i'm not even sure i want mulled wine in fucking october sir I think I no. want it late November, mm. December, and I maybe want it the first couple weeks of January, but I do do not want it in February, even if it's cold. Like it has a it has a very particular time, and the mm-hmm. the Christmas markets I were in were teeming with people, and um, most people were just clutching a little cup of a little cup of wine or grog. Grog I got to do more research into because I am open mm. to grog. Also hilarious, um, pirate name, um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it's not something I think that people associate with Christmas Day. You know? That's true. It's not a it Christmas is a, drink. It's a winter festival. It's a, a winter, winter. winter thing. A winter yeah. It's a winter yeah. It's for the winter This uh, We should call this episode mm-hmm. the Juvenalia Winter special because it is an interval Because Re- we're winter. repping Waterford. Yeah. Yeah, and you're repping Waterford. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's your next one? My next one is... Um, it's an album that is 20 years old. I'm doing another music one because that's that's it. That's what I am, I am now. Um, it is an album that's 20 years old. Uh, it's Sigur Rose's... It doesn't have a name. It's just the one with the bracket on the front. And all the songs are untitled. 
And yes, it came out 2002, which was the year I did my leave insert. And was also my first like winter in college in UCC. Uh, so I intensely associated with um, that winter and with like being up in that flat that I lived in, the third floor flat, and just like experiencing Cork winters for the first time, mm. which are the wettest winters in the world. Um, and the album just kind of, it feels like you are... Basically, like you wake up in a snowy place and then you walk and at first it's nice and then it gets very, very bad, mm. but it's always still always very snowy. It's like experiencing different types of snow through music is what I think of it like. Imagine music um, having the power to invoke weather like that's pretty special. You it know? really does because of the way they they use pianos as like drops and stuff. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And also the fact that there's no... Um, like they normally sing in Icelandic and they don't even sing in Icelandic in this one. It's just a made up language called Vanlenska cool. or Hopelandish. Ah. Uh, it's 11 syllables with like barely anything resembling a hard consonant that he just kind of finds a different variation on for each of the eight songs over the 71 minutes. Um, it's, I think it's, it's one of my favourite albums of all time. Um, I don't listen to it enough. I listen to the very last song, which is the 11 minute one that ends in like Apocalypse um, a lot. Because it will always, always, always give me goosebumps, no matter when I listen to it or how I listen to it. Um, it when I used to be in a band, I used to, whenever we had a gig, um, the day of the gig, I would put that on and just play along to it alone in my room just to kind of feel like this is how you perform big music for people is like um i think it's a really special album um it's been like the it pops up everywhere uh simply in the sky it's in like anytime like cigarettes in general anytime someone needs something kind of epic but non-specific they will pick a cigarette song and because there's no actual words in this one they will go to like the first half of this album a lot even more um but yeah i really associate it with like just that first winter in Cork. Um, and I used to write letters to Caroline every week because she was still in, um, in sixth year. Unreal. So I used to like, come home at lunch once a week and like put on this or the second Ballet Drum Boy album is actually the reasons to and write her letter on some smash hits uh, note paper that I like got from work <laughs> that had like Garrett Gates and Will Young faces on it and Unbelievable. Stuff. Unbelievable yeah. relic. Wow. Some deep Alan lore dropping That's there. That's great yeah. um, lore. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Romantic. Oh my god. <laughs> um yeah, and this this Rose album is just a big part of it. Um I listened to this evening again. It's just it's just one of those albums you just can't get enough of it. Like it just I don't know if it's if some people might think that's like something against it where it kind of it never fully grabs you until the very, very end. But it's always there. It's not quite ambient but not quite like oh i like that pop, but it's kind of floating between the two oh that's interesting because i like ambient have you listened music, to it before gosh. i have never in my life voluntarily listened to cigarettes so give this one a try this might be a good, point a good entry to start point. at yeah. for, especially for writing music and like like ambience mm-hmm. you know for uh yet yeah, genuinely my um 
blinkers are pretty strange when it comes to music like that. I, I often just miss artists entirely. But this mm-hmm. sounds this sounds like it could be the right thing for me at the minute, especially with what I'm working on. Um, somewhere between ambience and pop is where I want to live generally. Yeah, it's the like the opening like piano motif is it's perfect. It's hey. like one of the most like perfectly placed like six notes of a piano you will ever hear that and um the first song from super free animals rings around the world oh yeah has a similar that's one of my favorite songs from school that's one of my like uh, that and juxtaposed were our our, like screaming along songs when we were growing up me and a couple of the girls that i grew up with so yeah so the first song off that album the the dum dum Dum, 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 yeah dum, dum. it's that kind of vibe oh this, nice but, soft, e- but even softer uh so yeah beautiful so those that's all my music I've i will give you i'll give you a now. full review of how i feel about this album please do when i'm working yeah, yeah. tomorrow and i'll give you the rundown definitely do yeah what's your second thing my second thing is so i think this is the perfect time of year to really sink into a long video game and that's hard mm. because um I am generally a very strong proponent of a short video game, as anybody who's mm-hmm. in, on our Patreon will know. I love a short game. Um, but it is really nice to hand over your sort of psyche to an immersive adventure, I think, at this time of year, especially when it's dark and it's cold. And um, I find looking at a bright and different world can be very uh, holistic. The mm-hmm. games that we've been playing this month are Shadows Over Loathing and... Uh, immortality, I think it's called, which is like a V, a, yeah, the FMV um, game. Yeah, the the her story and it, telling lies guy. Yeah, it rules, and we will talk about it on mm. Patreon because if I start, I won't stop. Anyway, yes, um, I'm gonna get it so I can play it so that we okay, talk about it. You're gonna yeah. love it. It's astonishing. I I, I loved her story. So much. I haven't so played that yet, so I'm boring. really excited to do that next. Okay. Um, but apparently, it's coming to apparently, Immortality's uh, Immortality's coming to Netflix, so they're going to kind of try and mm. do it like Bandersnatch, which is interesting. Um, but I think because Immortality is three feature films interlocked. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm not going to get. I will talk about it on Patreon. That's what Patreon, we Facebook, do. Patreon. Yeah. yeah. Um. So my winter, the a video game that always feels to me like winter because I think I got it at Christmas many, many years ago um, and it still has that edge to it is The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Um, mm. Which is by all means a game about a tropical island or a tropical set of islands and a great big ocean that you sail across on the back of a ship in the shape of a talking lion. Um it has a lot of summery energy objectively but subjectively mm-hmm. for me it feels it feels like cold days a lot of my childhood's um winters um, so my, my birthday's in january and um so in the because video games are very expensive and there's just less of them um mm-hmm. i would get zeldas at christmas um I think it might have happened twice or three times in my whole life, but that's enough for it to make a huge that's a, dent yeah, on you, load, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I would play them then through the cold of the winter and into the spring and obviously for the rest of the year. But those first formative 
weeks spent adjacent to another world were always in winter. So mm. Wind Waker both at once summons this sort of depth of the end of the year feeling for me while also curing it with sandy beaches mm. and rolling blue seas. And because it's one of the only Zelda games, not the only game, but one of the only Zelda games that uses cell shading and is aesthetically very different to the, say, I also think the Twilight Princess makes me think of winter as well and um, Ocarina of Time, certainly. But their visual aesthetics are much more traditionally fantasy and sort of Mm -hmm. not mature. None of it looks mature, but they have a a particular look to them, whereas Wind Waker is deliberately kind of abstract and cartoonish. And mm. uh, that playfulness and that stylized approach to this flooded Hyrule, like this underwater and overwater world, it really, it feels like a proper escape from the doom and gloom of a 4pm sunset. It feels like an exit to somewhere different. Um well, also the music has a the 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 musical approach in Twilight or not Twilight Princess in Wind Waker is obviously you hear all the same themes as you do in uh, the different Zelda's. They there is a really strong correspondent uh, soundtrack across all the stories that you play, but um, I don't. It gets sort of hard to explain exactly why it feels wintry to me. Um, and that could just be from personal experience but I don't know I think it both does the job of conjuring an escape and bringing me back to winters that are way 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 behind me as well Mm. I think we we talked in the autumn episode about like finding a new box set for autumn Mm, I think mm. in winter things hopefully get a bit slower and you start having a bit more time like maybe more mornings mm. possibly to do stuff and which isn't soprano's time but it Mm-mm. is Windmaker time or is the witcher tree time if you're me um oh carrie's playing the witcher or, tree as or... well at the moment hang on yeah carrie are you playing the witcher tree or the witcher two three you see how he's yeah, playing I'm witcher sorry. three as well weird i think he's okay. having the yeah. exact same experience as you where he was like oh, there's, a lot of sto- there's a lot of lore here fuck <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um yeah or like assassin's creed games the especially like three and four where there's a lot because of like, I think snow stuff it can be yeah. really easy to let the media you consume at this time of year kind of flatten you out you know like mm. i i'm very uh, i'm a sleepy bitch uh which is something people may or may not not know about me i did have a period of very severe insomnia in 2015 and 16 and ever since then i have been very particular about how much i sleep which is a lot um but if i'm left sitting down for too long i'm unconscious like i mm. I'm a you you I can sleep on any surface any circumstance I can just knock myself out um and uh I have to be very careful of that in the winter because something just goes offline in my brain after a certain time in the day and if I think to myself oh I'll just have a little snooze here on the we're done we are done the night is over it is 8 p.m you have signed off you're gonna wake up in two hours with a jolt and feel terrible and then go down and sleep for another fucking seven hours like you're you're 
Like it's bad. So I need to stay awake and bright colors and lovely stories on the screen that I can engage with is almost an act of self-preservation as much as it is entertainment. Like I need to stay in the room because I will simply hibernate otherwise. What's your next one? So my final one Mm. is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, Um, good winter. I, I... struggle to find non-musical ones because I was like everything I was kind of I was like is this wintry or is it just set in Canada and I kind of got rid of a couple of things that way where I was like no it's just it's just Canadian that's all that is it's nothing um so we've talked about Scott Pilgrim on Patreon before so Mm. we could we could talk about it we could do that thing where we watch it every week and just do a Scott Pilgrim podcast where it's Friday me and Alan have just watched Scott Pilgrim again let's talk about it for the 18th we could (laughs) we could do that yes like do very happily of all time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also about Douglas Copeland, and I was like, I think I'm just Canadian in him again. I think so. I went for Eternal Sunshine as well as mine, which for anybody who hasn't seen it, um, which is possible because it's 18 years old at this point. Um, it came out in 2004, so it's directed by Michelle Gondry, um, starring Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, um, who are both maybe their favorite things of all three of those people that they've done. I would say for me. Um, Jim Carrey is playing me, kind of. I think. <laughs> Possibly. I don't think you're, you're not as miserable as that guy. You're not miserable. Uh, I think there's an Joel alternate version miserable. of me where I didn't couple up with Carlam when I was 16, where I do become Joel. I think. Um, there's definitely a nightmare Kate. version of me that turns into fucking Kate Winslet as well. So don't worry <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, I'm now blanking on Kate Winslet's character's name. Clementine, Alan, come on. Clementine, Jesus Christ, yes, Clementine. Uh, Clementine <laughs> is, I guess we are kind of covering Scott Pilgrim here slightly because she is also someone who, someone who um, dyes her hair according to her mood very regularly. Um, She's so, a librarian, I feel like, yeah. She works in a bookshop, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Oh, weird, I always thought it was a bookshop. Maybe it is a library. Hmm. But, Maybe um, it is a bookshop. It's been a minute. Hmm. Yeah. So basically we, we meet both of them on a train out to a snowy beach and they seem to be very into each other. They have a weird connection. And then we, in flashback, we realized that they went out for a long time and underwent an experiment procedure to erase each other completely from their memories. Um, and we go back in through that procedure from inside their brains, well, from inside Jim Carrey's brain, as he tries to, as he starts to regret it, as all the memories start to go, and he realizes that she will be truly gone forever. Um, and because it's Michelle Gondry, everything is um, basically in camera, all these mad tricks um, as we loop in and out of different memories and stuff cycles back in on itself and lives back in on itself. Um, it's one of those films that was so adored at the time that people are embarrassed, I think, to admit how much they like it now. I think it's one of those films Possibly. that I think it was Nathan. I think it might have been this film that Nathan Raven coined Manic Pixie Dream Girl about. And that's it was part of that why yeah, yeah. people feel a bit exposed by it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a very millennial piece of work. I think it meant a lot to people who are kind of our age. And yeah. I don't think the kids have found it yet. Maybe they have, but I'm wrong. But I don't think the kids have found it and I don't think they're going to like it when they do. Um, It's also very earnest and I think that that can make people very uncomfortable. 
Um, yes. And all Michelle Gondry's work has that sort of earnestness, I think, to it. It's up, it's playful as well. And like, it's a, there's a lot of mm. deliberate artifice. Um, like a lot of going through stuff and like weird shit. Yeah, it is, it is goofy as well but like yeah it's a film but it's not like a pretending yeah. it's not realist do you know it's it's yeah. it's a weird ass film but i i do oh, think it's written by charlie kaufman as well oh there you like, go like very like, very importantly yeah like which is that's where like the this earnestness and the goofiness like, comes in what what a team yeah what a fucking combo so mm. i i think because of clementine she has a very i, I think the sort of the thing that she says which predates the cool girl speech in gone girl um mm-hmm. She sort of has a go at Joel famously in one scene um, about projecting his insecurities. Actually, I get the quote up because it's very. I, I think because I think this is the thing that got the that the manic pixie dream girl phrase. The, what the, I'm the not, actual I'm not term. Fix you. I'm not gonna fix you, eternal sunshine. I'm literally googling this as we speak. I'm just a fucked up girl trying to get my own peace of mind. Is Too many. I'm not a concept. Too many mm. guys think. I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive but I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for her own peace of mind don't assign me yours um, and fair play to her uh, but we now live in a world where her character and that sort of approach has become a trope and mm. uh, it's very hard I think to explain to people that this was, was huge at the time like it was insane to hear that yes. It, like it topped most or came very close to top of most year end lists most decade end lists it was up there in the like ones twos threes of those um the sight and sound this came out this week it was not in the overall top 100 it was in the director's top 100 oh, okay well yeah so some people still remember it um and obviously the uh, john bryan soundtrack is one of my favorite like i'm i'm saying picking a lot of favorite things ever See, i'm being very <laughs> hyperbolic today uh because just one of those things. Uh, Caroline walked down the aisle to the team from Eternal Sunshine. No way! That's yeah, deadly. Yeah. What a banger! Yeah. So and it has oh, it has Beck in there. Beck singing. Everybody's got to learn sometime. Wow. There's um, your Scott Pilgrim which, crossover there. Exactly. He sang, and when I saw him in summer uh, at Trinity, he sang that wow. live, which was like oh, God. very special. Very special. Um. I think I've mentioned this before. Like when you see a voice you know so well from just your headphones, um, and it's coming out of someone in front of you, it's just an incredible feeling. Nothing is really like it. Um, Mentally, actually, have a song called "Voice and Headphones," which is about that exact thing. Um, I don't remember the last yeah. gig. I, well, it's about Bjork. Okay, well, I saw Bjork. Yeah. was just before the pandemic, and that was really fucking special. But I haven't really been mm. to an in-person gig. In about two and a half years. I'm so sorry. Speaking of in-person gigs, Weaver is singing us a beautiful we song. Weaver. <laughs> the song is called Nobody's Paying Attention to Me and I'm the Saddest Dog in the World. She's sitting under a chair. <laughs> I can't even pet you. You're under a chair. Why are you crying? She's just looking across the room with this devastated <laughs> face because no one has told her she's beautiful for about half an hour. I'm so sorry. Beautiful animal. Um, yeah, I... I Gigs are a funny old thing. I just never think of them, mm. you know. But I am going to see mm. Matt, so. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. I, I happened upon a ticket and um, I'm very excited because I do listen to an awful lot of her, uh, mm-hmm. which will be pretty special um, to see her in person. Uh, but yeah, no, Eternal Sunshine is a wintry film and it's a growing up film 
not that the yeah. characters are growing up but i think we 18 years ago was a very particular time for people in their 30s and a very de- like not delicate in a bad way but like it's a time where a lot of your identity is sort of formed and it's a it's a nakedly romantic film it's very romantic and mm. very hopeful and also very sad uh, aside from that sort of the innovation of the manic pixie dream girl crawling out of that particular speech and it being sort of oddly feminist in its way where the love interest suddenly develops talons where perhaps she might not have like i'm not i hesitate like she's not a not a girl boss <laughs> or anything like that <laughs> but she's holds joe like up she holds him up to himself yeah um, well, i think the important thing about that is like, i think the manic pixie dream girl thing is I would say it was more from Garden State than Eternal oh, Sunshine. Oh, that was the same. Was that the same year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very close. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the whole thing, like in Eternal Sunshine, most of what we see Clementine is Joel's memory of her. Yeah. And when she gives him that, gives him that speech, it's in a memory, mm. and it's he actually says that he's like, "I did do it though, didn't I?" She's like, "Yeah, you did." So I think they're they're already playing with the mm. with it then and realizing that men are doing this. Mm. And that Clementine could be that, but isn't. And but there's no way to show that she isn't without because we're in we're because we're in Joel's head. Yeah, yeah. After the memories have already been erased, uh, a yeah. high concept and a beautiful concept, a high concept and a beautiful concept, which Michelle Gondry is fantastic for, just executing these mm. huge, dreamy, um, ideas in a way that feels very humane. Um, but yeah. it is a cold movie. Some, yeah. it is. I, if, if it's a, it's a big hats. Big coats, big coats, fingerless gloves, fingerless gloves, yeah, big yeah. scarves, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Someday someone will pick his director's able series um, DVD for their topic, and then then we, we'll then be in business. Then we'll be dressing. Yes. Then we'll be dressing. Then then it will be two thirty in the morning on a Wednesday night in college. <laughs> That's the <what it'll> be. <laughs> Summoning us back, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, do you have a final thing? My final thing, I'm just going to drop in very quickly because mm-hmm. I we've talked about it before on the podcast, but for me, winter is the time, not autumn, crucially, not summer when it is kind of set. Um, Twin Peaks is winter watching for me because mm-hmm. I watched it for the first time as a teenager during the winter and a teenage boyfriend who I was with for a long time got me... Um, a bootleg Spanish DVD box set of the full of the full show because I only had six episodes on DVD for months and months and months. Maybe, maybe, maybe to be honest, it was a year. Like it was a long. I had that single six episode DVD box set for a very long time and sort of worshipped it. And for Christmas, um, uh, he got me from eBay uh, with every red cent he had. This we would have been sixteen. Um, this bootleg Spanish <laughs> Twin Peaks box set and it always feels like winter to me it always feels like warm redness against the cold um, mm. it is a very red TV show it's full of stark colour and heat and fire I guess um, mm. and there is something about it that feels like darkened evenings and twinkling lights in the background maybe it's the roar of the music maybe it's the the sort of we've talked about the sort of pacific northwest aesthetic of huge trees and um which it's inherently wintry i think it's it is inherently wintry 
but not snowy. It's a no. it's the rain a rainy winter. That's yeah. it. It's cold out there. Mm. And um Twin Peaks is soapy and it's busy and there's lots of characters and there's lots of mystery, even if you do know as many of the mysteries inside out as I do. Um, I still feel that there's something kind of untouchable about it. And part of why I got back to it, um I wouldn't even say every year, it's been a couple of years since I've gone back. Um maybe I'll go back this year. Um is that it uh I don't know, it gives me something different every time. Mm. It gives me something completely different every time and it feels like a warm place. Um a land that I almost know the entire lay of, but not quite, so it's still interesting to me. Mm. I don't think it'll ever get old for me personally, and I know you know, again, Twin Peaks has become sort of an emblem of the internet and everyone knows all about it. And But for me, for a lot, like you said about that singer-songwriter thing for a long time, it felt very private to me because I listened to it or listened to it, watched it at a time when it was on the television and the internet hadn't really happened and it was just me and my, my, me and my weird DVDs. And it felt very hard for me to try and convince anybody to watch it with me because <laughs> it wasn't very appealing mm. in you know oh my god it i was it actually is like 18 years ago holy shit um you know however long ago that was it it wasn't that appealing mm-hmm. to people um so i don't know i it it feels like a way that i found myself get through the winters of my past um it is sleepy though it does have a sleepy quality so you gotta be yes, fucking careful it does a lot yeah. of low voices and deep tones and like rolling soundscapes and ominous whooshing that mm. will knock you out if you're not careful but if you've never watched it the winter is the right time to watch it because it has a real depth to it and a real gorgeous texture yeah mm. a lot of fire so that's my my usual a pretty regular ring in the bell for Twin Peaks, but uh, I won't stop. Yeah. I won't stop. <laughs> cool. I think we've wrecked wrecked the winter. I think we have wrecked the winter across the board, yeah. given cozy recommendations that are not maybe the cozy recommendations people might expect for December. But you have, I guess you guys have the whole, and you're about to deal with our Christmas specials, which are going to be a lot of fun. Um, yes. So we will get into the depths of Christmassy christmas in the coming weeks so um for now just enjoy the bit that comes before i guess yeah uh so yeah in two weeks our christmas special is coming out where we will be filling in some of our gaps in christmas um essentials like Mm. that stuff we haven't seen like i haven't seen it's wonderful life you haven't seen die hard cassie hasn't seen die hard i also haven't seen the holiday hasn't seen the holiday and i haven't seen the holiday either so we're all on a journey together. I might have to pull a full uh, trip deck because I'm not convinced I've seen It's a Wonderful Life either. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I've got some homework to do, but it's delightful homework to be doing. Yeah. And if you uh, would like to support us on Patreon, we will be playing some Christmassy D&D over on Patreon in so a couple of weeks excited. as well. It's... I have a lot of prep to do. <laughs> to watch three films and prep this. I believe Saturday. in uh, you. I believe in you. Yeah. But that's, that's future time. Uh, for now... Thank you, Dee McDonald, for our artwork. Thank you, Dee. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to Cassie and Tall Tales for Thank having you, us. Cassie. And I hope you're having a nice winter, everybody. Yeah, Bye. Stay cozy. Bye-bye.